All right. So, I know it's a little choppy, right? But I need you guys to bear with me. I'm doing my setup and everything like that. <clears throat> Slowly but surely, it's going to be smooth. Trust me. Trust me. Everything is going up for 2021. I'm covering this because they ain't, give me, they ain't, they ain't cutting me a check. So welcome to another episode of a real estate podcast. Today's guest is someone who completely helped me um, with my cold call and I was super stuck. And um, his name, he, he runs a YouTube channel and I was watching his content and what happened was he just, I, I, I emailed him. I was on this email list and I emailed him and he responded. And we're gonna get into this when he's on. Um, he responded and, you know, he, he just, the, the, the piece of advice he gave me was just so like, duh. <laughs> you feel me? Like, hold on. My, my, I seem a little skinny. Hold on. I got to make sure this is official. Oh, that's what it is. I went. Hold on. All right, that's, that's a lot better. I'm sorry. I had like OCD with that. It was, it was giving me anxiety. But, um, yeah, so the, the simple piece of advice that he gave me was just so like, Hold on, I'm sorry, let me. Look, when I get my, my whole setup together, they're gonna be like, oh, Christian wasn't playing. Trust me. Trust me, they're gonna be like, oh. Put this over here. I'm bringing up. Got the microphone here. Excuse me. Okay. So the advice that he gave me was like so duh. Like, why didn't you think of that earlier, Chris? Like it, it, it was so simple. And it's a it's a saying. I don't know if it's in sales or if it's just in real estate. The saying is kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid. That's that's what it is. I'm getting a phone call. Getting a phone call right now. Sorry, guys. It's my wife. So um, I let her know like doing a podcast right now. You gotta chill. <laughs> you feel me? But um. She responded back. She said, sorry, babe. Let me talk. It's okay, my love. It's okay, my love. She drives me crazy, I tell you. You know? But yeah, like once I started doing this podcast, he's somebody who I said I need to have on an episode. Not want, need, because there's a difference between wants and needs. And this is definitely somebody who I said needs to be on 
an episode. I have to talk to him. He shouted me out once. He actually shouted me out for that question on his YouTube channel. And um, you know, it was just, it was just amazing. So his name is Michael Montgomery with Rev Real Estate School. All right, I'm gonna say that again. Michael Montgomery with Rev Real Estate School. I have a list of questions and everything like that. I'm gonna give him a proper introduction because he definitely deserves it. The work he's been putting in and um, everything he's done, <clears throat> everything he's done for, you know, agents, new season, everywhere in between, you know. So this is definitely, definitely, definitely an honor to be interviewing him. And honestly, like, you know, some people can feel like real estate is a thankless job, you know? So it's a must that we give each other flowers, right? It's a must that we tell people like, like, thank you, you know? So he's getting in the building right now. Michael, Mon Michael Montgomery is getting in the building right now. We're going to admit him. And this is such, such, such an honor. <laughs> hey, Chris. Michael Montgomery, the legend is <laughs> in the you, building. Sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. I love your background. Very, um, very New York-like. <laughs> Most definitely. It has the bridges. It has the roadways and everything like that. So most definitely. I appreciate it, man. How are you? Good, good. Good, good. Been a busy week, but uh, yeah. really been looking forward to this call. So I'm really, really excited to be connected with you. Uh, thank you so much. I thank you so much. So um, I wanna, I wanted to thank you for giving me this opportunity of, of speaking with you. Um, I hold you in a super high regard and you know, all of the influencers that influenced me, I wanna give them their flowers on a personal level, you know? So um, this is my way of saying thank you, speaking with you and um, sort of person, <laughs> you know, and um, doing things like that. So again, thanks Mike. I, I appreciate it. And funny story, when I when I started to launch this program of Rev Real Estate School, you were one of the first people that actually signed up to the newsletter and responded yeah. to one of my emails. So you you have a special spot on the uh, on the community because of that. And I remember seeing your name and your question that came through. So I appreciate you being so active as far as as far as reaching out to other people in the industry. There's so much power in all of us getting together, sharing ideas and discussing what we're seeing in our markets. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate that. It's crazy that that that's you know the case. That's actually um I was actually going to ask you if you remember how we kind of like met and interacted and, and you kind of <laughs> you kind of do that, you kind of did that, you know. Um it was it was in the beginning of my real estate career. So I've been an agent. This is my third year in real estate. And, okay. um, you know, I was just looking for answers and guidance and things like that. And I really just couldn't really find it. Like everybody was just like, so 
seasoned and it was like speaking levels above where I was. So um, I, I found you on YouTube and signed up to the newsletter and, you know, just shot my shot. Like, you know, this is what I need help with. I was doing so many cold calls, Mike, when I wasn't getting anywhere, right? And this, I th so I think you're speaking to something that's really interesting in the real estate world. It's the fact that we get our licenses, and this is really what we're what we're very focused on. Are people that are within, say, that zero, like ground one, or even before they're licensed, to up to like three, four, five years in that realm. There, there's such a major point of growth where you get your license and it's just like, what do I do? What do I, what do I do next? You get excited about getting out there. You're enthusiastic about your new career. And that I, I tend to see fade quite quickly. And it's unfortunate because they get in, because people get into the industry, they don't necessarily have the tools, not sure how to best proceed, not sure where to get websites, how to get connect with clients. And, uh, and really more than anything, you're kind of left to your own devices. Mm -hmm. And I, I tend to agree with you. And that's how I, funny enough, that's, I started my career in a very similar way where I was trying to grab different things. Now you went in a better direction than me simply because <laughs> after my about first eight months in the industry, trying to grab as many tools and as much information as I possibly can, I got out of the industry mm. simply because I, I didn't know what I was doing, was not successful, was not closing clients was just not in a great spot as far as being able to actually make a career for myself. And then it took me going back into a normal job, I guess, quote unquote, and then coming back into the industry to, to really see some, some growth. And uh, so good for you getting through those first few years. I think if an agent can get through their year, like zero to three and start to see increased production, they're putting themselves on a fantastic path. It's just a matter of getting over those first few years. And sometimes those first few years can drag on for about five years or so, or sometimes that first few years can be condensed to one year, depending on, depending on their, on how much people are absorbing. But those are just key, key moments. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. I, um, I, I track all of my, my numbers, right? So I track how many cold calls I make. Um, how many conversations I make, um, how many appointments I go on, and how many listings I get, so on and so forth. And my first year, I made 1,700 cold calls mm -hmm. and only got 10 listings, right? <laughs> so I tell people all the time, like, and this is like the phone ringing, so I didn't speak to 1,700 people um, out of 1,700 cold calls, I spoke to maybe five, 600 people. So for me to have spoken to five or 600 people, I've gone on maybe a hundred listing appointments and only get 10 listings. Mm -hmm. And that happened towards the latter part of my first year. So in the beginning, I just couldn't close anybody over the phone. I was getting anxiety whenever I would pick up the phone and I just could not jump over that hump. I just could not do it. It was just, you know, I was running in circles. That's what um, had me reach out. And you gave me like the most simple <laughs> advice ever and it clicked. You know, you said, you said just look at it as practice. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's one thing that we really subscribe to is this concept that we put, well, A, so as far as your numbers are concerned, you're actually well above average as far as your conversion rate from a cold call to a listing presentation to an actual listing. So like that's, that's well above average, although I know that it's, it, it can be quite time consuming and it can, it can wear on a person to just be cold calling day after day. Mm-hmm. But one of the big issues is that we, we tr- tend to think that everything is like the main performance, that everything is that performance that we have to be perfect on. And that ends up increasing our anxiety level at a mm-hmm. dramatic rate. And we end up underperforming because we're, we're just trying to put ourselves into this position of needing to perform every single time. When we take a step back and we think of each cold call being just practice, like all we're trying to do is improve our skills from one phone call to the next, the pressure drops. And then over time, our performance increases. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more that agents, especially newer agents, but seasoned agents as well, can stop putting that level of pressure on themselves and start treating their real estate practice as a craft, like they're learning it. It's like they're learning a sport, like they're learning to like learn a new in- instrument. You're not just going to come out and start playing the guitar like an absolute whiz. You're going to slowly practice and learn and grow from there. And it's not like you're stepping onto the stage as soon as you make that first phone call. And by doing that, I I find it, it when your anxiety decreases, your ability to learn increases dramatically. So I'm glad that that worked for you. Yeah, it was once, once you said that, you know, in the email, then you put it, you put it on YouTube and um, I've seen it. It was just like, wow, like, let me try that. Let me, let me shift my thinking and really say, you know what, this is practice. So if I get the listing appointment, great practice worked. I practice well. If I don't get it, great. I was just practicing anyway. It's a win either way. It's a win either way. Yeah, and it depends. When you start to look at it that way, every single cold call that you make is either a win or a learn. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a loss. It's it's a win or or you've learned something. Mm-hmm. Or you and you, you may have learned a number that you're never going to call again if there were <laughs> profanities <laughs> at you. But that makes us stronger as salespeople, right? Mm-hmm. Like actually going through those difficult calls is what makes us stronger as salespeople. But we get so discouraged because we think that if it doesn't lead to a listing presentation, that was a failure. And that's not the case. That's not mm-hmm. the case at all. Like you wouldn't look at somebody learning to play basketball and being like, oh, you're just learning to play basketball. You couldn't hit your free throw. So you're a failure. No. You're learning as long as as long as there's incremental improvement and incremental improvement can mean improving slightly after each call. It can be improving at a rapid pace, regardless of the pace. I'm not concerned at all about the pace. I'm just concerned about every single rep getting slightly better than the last one. Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely in the basketball analogy that you use was perfect because, you know, people revere Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time. However, he was cut from his high school basketball team. Yeah. Right. So like that, that right there that you said was just so strong and it helped me dramatically. I do the most cold calls in in my company now, which results in me getting the most listings in my company. Um, But it was really that nugget. You know, sometimes we'll read a thousand page book. And it's just one sentence that clicks for us and changes our lives forever. And that right there was 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 it. Just look at it as practice. And 
ever since then, it was just, okay, I got a bad call. Okay. You know, sometimes you'll get 10 bad calls in a row. <laughs> and you're like, oh man, it's killing me. But you know, some you don't need to, you don't need to get all 10 people to like you, you know, you really need one. And maybe on that 11th call, um, you get the listing that you need, you know, yeah. that'll change your life. So sometimes you just got to go through the snow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that also speaks to this concept that a lot of, a lot of agents, they're going to go to a seminar, listen to a podcast, read a book, and they're going to get really pumped up. And then they're going to say, okay, this is, this is my plan. I'm going to run with it. And they over index on intensity over consistency. And so mm -hmm. what you've done really well is you were intense off the start, but you kept doing it. You kept with the, you stayed on the path. And a lot of agents will start, and I think any one of us has done something like this. My, my biggest, I guess, Achilles heel were, is trying to start a farm. And it started mm. a farm for like two months here and then a farm for two months here and then for two months there. And you don't get anywhere. And unless you're able to really dial back and think of it as consistency, like you're trying to learn after every single call and you're consistently going to build your cold calling funnel. Mm -hmm. that's what that's what truly leads to success like it's almost inevitable it becomes a numbers game and it's almost inevitable mm -hmm. but as soon as as soon as we start to go for the shiny object syndrome it, it's so hard to actually build a true real estate funnel in that case most definitely now you you, you said something that's great which actually led to my, into my next question um consistency mm. right um doing something for a number of weeks or a number of months might not get you where you want to be sometimes it takes years like you just have to keep doing it it's a repetitive thing and also a numbers game so now the um i, I know you subscribe to the eight by eight in a 33 touch hmm. right now yeah. that's an effective campaign I, I i implement those as well it's an effective campaign yet a very expensive one if you don't do it correctly right um However, there's, there's not a one size fits all campaign for a client. So how do we effectively run a 33 touch or a, or an eight by eight? You know, um, one thing that, you know, that I seen or whatever that I was adverse with was sometimes the seventh week would be to call somebody, right? However, week six, they just listed with somebody else, mm. you know? And it was just like, oh man, you know, I sent you so many cards and I text you and a video touch and everything like that, but you still listed with somebody else. What did I do wrong? You know, um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how do we overcome something like that? It's such a, that's such a good question. And so there, I have two, two answers for it. The first one, the first one is this thought process of the one size fits all. And in real estate, one size, never really fits all, but I like to think of it as like a t-shirt size. Like I may not be a medium. I may not be a large in every single, in every single brand, but I mean, small, medium and large fits most people. Mm -hmm. And so when we're thinking about a 33 toucher and eight by eight, sometimes we get too much in the weeds as to like the exact details of exactly what we're going to say at this exact time. And instead it's pick a framework that works for you. This is a simple framework. And then and stick to it and understand that some people are going to drop out of your funnel and that's okay. You know that it's a proven system and you're choosing this size and you're going with this size. So we, we, can, almost, we can almost try and tweak it too much. Mm. You know, 
with regards to with regards to that unfortunate circumstance where they end up listing with somebody else when when i when that happens i do what's called a retrospective or a retro and i look at what was the communication that i had and what could have been improved and how could i have geared that conversation differently almost all the time when we're not securing the listing this isn't always the case Sometimes we're going to say, oh, they so-and-so reduced their fee. So-and-so is a family friend. Really what is what has happened is we haven't done two things. We haven't been able to truly connect and bond with that person. So that's if we're just not connecting with them, they won't choose us. And then B, oftentimes we're not finding what's their true pain point. Like what are they really looking for in a listing agent? Mm. And then we're on an eight by eight. Sometimes what we get into is we just get into the fact that, okay, so today's a call. So I'm going to call and check in. How are you? And instead we need to start treating each single customer as the fact that they're going to have different pain points and they're going to have different approaches. So we want to retouching base with them over the course of eight weeks, once a week, but that may look slightly different depending on the customer. And the two okay. biggest things that I think that we tend to, we tend to miss are the fact that rapport building is so huge in real estate. It's just so huge. And then finding out truly what is motivating them. And typically when I do a retro over the course of a listing and not getting that listing, it's because I failed in one of those two categories. There can mm. be other categories, but those ones overwhelmingly are the, are the areas where I would have missed the mark. So how do you, how do you suggest building rapport and connecting in a COVID heavy environment that we're in? Yeah, that's such a good question. And it's, it's different, but it's not necessarily harder. So we need to use what's called like this whole omni-channel approach. So they need to be seeing okay. Chris from all sorts of different directions, right? It's not just over Zoom. It's not just over phone. And in doing so, we're able to find which communication platform best works for them. And oftentimes when we're thinking of rapport building, what we're trying to do is we're like, okay, we got to talk to them about the weather and their dog and and that sort of thing. And that's not always the case. That's, that can be part of it. But what we really should be doing is like d deep discovery. Like what's, what's causing you to move right now? What has, what has, what has you thinking about moving during COVID? What challenges do you think you're going to encounter during this move? What are your true goals? And then from there, they're going to say they're, they're going to take that conversation and then you want to run, you want to continue down that path. Oftentimes as real estate agents, especially in a COVID environment, it's like pitch, 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 pitch. Yeah. And then, it, why didn't you list with me? And it's because like we didn't truly take the time to understand where they're coming from in a COVID environment. So the main thing is you, you, you have to get comfortable. And I think even post COVID, you have to get comfortable on video. You, you just do because people are starting to understand how efficient this medium is. You're in New York. Mm -hmm. I am hours away from you. Yeah. We can connect in one second. And I mean, this sort of concept is going to continue doing listing presentations over, over zoom for people. They now understand that this is a, this is a possibility. So I think that we have to improve our ability to communicate over video, but then also integrate other channels, which for me is usually phone, text, email, and then social channels mm. and have hit them from all directions. And this is kind of that omni-channel approach. Great. Great. So now, what, what one thing that I've noticed is an issue. Mm -hmm. um, let's say we, we do the Zoom, the Zoom um, listing presentation. That kind of seems to fall in the category of 
either maybe an expired listing or um, circle prospecting listings, if that's fair. Because typically when you're dealing with a FISBO, mm -hmm. which is another low hanging fruit, um, you you kind of you you want to meet them in person or whatever 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 you don't really have the opportunity to do a Zoom listing presentation because maybe it's a little too straightforward. You know, um, do you always want to get hit with a do you have a buyer so on and so forth. If you don't have a buyer, you can't come over. So now it's if I don't have a buyer, why are we meeting through Zoom? If that's fair. How do you how do you suggest that we navigate around that? So when when we're talking about the whole buyer conversation, I think we can't come to the conversation without the thought process that we're going to bring them something. And bringing them a buyer is one piece of the pie, which oftentimes we're not necessarily going to have. One of the best approaches that I've seen, not only during COVID, but just in general, is doing is just providing each FISBO, each expired with a market evaluation and just dropping it off and by hand. And by saying, mm. you're selling your, your property on your own, no problem, that's great. You wanna save on fees? I get it, I totally understand. Why don't I do this? Why don't I pull some comparables? I'm going to do a market evaluation for you and I come drop it off. And then drop it off, ask them how the process is going. And then that is where, that's what then leads to the conversation. Because oftentimes, in a conversation with a FISBO or with a expired or circle prospecting for that matter, one person's always doing the selling. And in the case mm. where the, where the customer is saying to you, do you have a buyer? Do you have a buyer? They're selling you. And in fact, we need to flip that conversation. We need to say, I have something for you. And this is the and it's information that will help you on your journey. Whether you choose to list with me, whether you choose to list with somebody else, or whether you choose to do this on your own, take the free information and run with it. And mm. most of us don't want to do that because it takes time, but we need to separate ourselves. We can't just be a person on the other line of the phone. We need to have that phone conversation lead to something that we can provide to them. And that is a strategy. I don't know where the guy is that came up with that strategy, but it is working so well. And especially in the current marketplace mm. is you're able to, you're able to meet them in person and then just hand it to them and that's it. And okay. it leads to a lot of, a lot of connection. It seems like that's a lot on the side of a pre-listing package. Yeah, so pre-listing pre package is fine, but it needs to be more specific than that. So if mm. I'm a FISBO, I don't want anybody, like if I'm a FISBO, I don't want anybody's pre-listing package. I want to sell my home on my own. I want to save on fees. But if somebody wants to come and drop off what's going on in the marketplace, what's sold on my street, some strategies on how I can sell on my own, a quick one pager on how I can sell on my own. We think we're shooting ourselves in the foot, but we're not. We're demonstrating a level of value that nobody else is doing. And they're mm. gonna get a hundred phone calls from different agents. So we need to do something that's going to differentiate us. Now, if, if somebody's thinking, okay, well, that's gonna take way too much time, start with your geo farm, start with your general area, the area that you know well, and then you can work out from there. And understand that not every call, someone's going to want a, want a market evaluation and information mm -hmm. on how to sell on their own. But anyone who says yes to that is just, it, it's an opportunity. Like that, that's a great opportunity for us. Whereas if we were just to call and say, hey, uh, it's expired, let's say what standard expired script. Uh, why do you think your home didn't sell? Mm -hmm. And then just kind of going down that 
standard script. It's tired. It's old. 17 people have already had that conversation. We need to start differentiating ourselves and upping our game. I kind of, I, I kind of compare this to like when Instagram or Facebook came out, you could like post anything that was poor quality and you'd still get a lot of interaction. Mm-hmm. And now you look at Instagram and some of our colleagues in real estate, like every single post is like professional quality mm-hmm. and every single story now is becoming professional quality. That's the direction we're going when it comes to FISBOs and expires. We can't just get away with a quick phone call anymore. We need to be providing them something and we should be providing them with tools to help them sell on their own. Truly, if it's a FISBO, provide them with tools to help them sell on their own and you will build trust with that person. Got it. Now, I found as well that, um, let's back to the eight by eight and the, yep. the 33. I found that an issue that a lot of agents have, even myself, is the warm call seems a bit more intimidating than the cold call, mm. right? So maybe the, the customer or the, or the prospect already said no, um, but you can keep in touch, you know, or, you know, you might've spoken to them, they're a little familiar with who you are, but they're not ready as per the last conversation that they had. You know, what is a, a great way, in your opinion, to go about that warm call? Yeah, absolutely. So the, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. As they've gone through, let's say, an eight by eight plan, and just for everyone's reference, like the eight by eight would basically be just simplifying it. New lead comes into your ecosystem in one way, shape, or form, referral, FISBO, whatever that might be. You're reaching out to them once a week for eight weeks. And then following the eight weeks, you move, and this is a Keller, this is built out of the Keller Williams model. Keller Williams, millionaire. Yeah. yeah, and the millionaire real estate agent. And then the 33 touch model is that everybody needs to be in contact with you in one way, shape, or form 33 times throughout the year. When people see that number, they oftentimes think, well, how the heck am I supposed to make 33 calls to each one of my clients every year? And that's not the case. That can be by way of, so I have two emails that go out every single month, one is just a general email and one's a marker report specific to their area. So right there, that's 24 touches that have already been taken care of over the course of one year. Mm. So when it comes to these warm calls, we need to be, again, coming from a place of what does that person want from us? And the second thing, the second thing that we need to do is we need to let people make their decisions on their own time. And we need to stop thinking about ways that we can convert them instantly. And instead, if they're not ready to make a move, what are they wanting at that point in time? What, are, what do they want at that point in time? Do they want information on communities? And when we're making those calls, I think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people in real estate make is they make these warm calls and they're like, are you ready to go look at some homes? And they're like, no, absolutely not. I'm not ready to go look at some homes. Like you're trying to fit them into a process that they're not ready for. Mm. So instead, give them a call and say, look, there's one home that came up, really interesting, going to flip it to you over email, no pressure whatsoever to go look at this. I love the line of no pressure. And in emails, I use the line of no need to respond in these sort of cases, because I want them to understand that I'm here and I have eyes on the market for them. And I'll say that to them. But don't feel pressured to go out and start looking at homes yet. Let's do that whenever you're ready. In the meantime, is it okay if I just keep sending you the odd property that I think could be of interest? And that's all it needs to be like we, we, we need to stop thinking about how we can get a person from A to B and we need to start thinking about how they, how they're going to move from A to B at their own time 
and at what stage we can provide information. I find one of the biggest challenges for agents is when they don't know what to say. Yeah. So they have, yeah, they have a lead and they're like, I've been in touch with them. They seems like they're interested, but I don't know what to say to them. And at that point in time, I say you need to drop what you think of as like a standard. Your standard right now is that you're, you're bringing them like the perfect home. And instead, what's going on in the marketplace? What's happening with sales? What's an interesting property that's came up that made you think of them? Anything along those lines can be perfectly fine. And that's the call piece. The second piece that we haven't even discussed is the fact that you can be connecting with these people and staying in touch with them using social. So if you have them on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, we use a strategy. It's from, uh, from a friend of mine, his name's Sean Carpenter. And he came up with this strategy he calls social media high fives. And every single day he comments on five social media posts and comments. They can't be like reactions or likes. And you strategically comment on those people that are in this kind of warm nurturing bucket mm. so that you stay top of mind with them. And that counts like that counts as an interaction we're thinking we need to pick up the phone and make a call. And sometimes we do most of the time, most agents are afraid of the phone, so they should call more. Mm -hmm. But the other piece to it is we can just be commenting on one of their posts on Facebook and that counts. Wow. I, I never, I never thought of that. That actually makes a ton of sense. Again, it goes back to the omnipresence that you were referring to. Yeah. You're kind of everywhere. Like, wow, I even see Mike on Instagram, you know, on Facebook, Twitter or something like that. You know, it's just, I've, I've, I've never thought of that. Yeah. And we think we need to structure like the perfect phone call and have, have like this perfect house for them when we're making that call. And that's not the case. They're not expecting that. They, they could not even be thinking about real estate at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And if we end up forcing real estate down somebody's throat when they don't want it, they, that just pushes them away from us. Mm -hmm. So instead, what I like to do, integrate some phone calls. The reason why I why I ask agents to integrate phone calls is because most agents don't want to. And typically when you're looking at like your list of things to do for the week, month, year, whatever that might be, there's a few things on that list where you're like, I don't really want to do that. And those are the things that you really need to do nine times out of 10. Mm -hmm. And typically what I find with agents is they have to, they have to make like five or six phone calls one week. And they're like, this is one thing they don't want to do. They don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And all you really need to do is choose between a check-in a piece of information, a market update, and that can really be it. That, that can really be it. And then the rest should be connecting on, on social. So the ABC um, sales process that most people grew up on is, is antiquated in your, your belief, always be closing. Yeah. Yeah. That's that to me, it's so tired because our, our prospects, our clients, like they're people and they have a lot of information. Like Zillow's going to give them what they need to know. So what can we do that Zillow can't necessarily do? And there's a big element of personal touch to that. And there's a big element of questions. I think most real estate agents need to be, need to be get a lot better at their ability to ask questions that will help move people through the process. Instead of like pushing this always be closing concept, we're trying to pull information out of them around what are their thoughts on the real estate market right now? What do you, th what are you thinking about spring, Chris? Is this, is this, do you still have real estate on your mind or do we want to, do we want to punt this until maybe the end of the year? And just having these sort of conversations with people, just connecting with people more on a human level and less on like a fully real estate level mm -hmm. I think can, can go a long way. Wow. So you, you spoke about 
farming mm -hmm. um, before. Now, typically when you farm, it, it's you, you pick a, a specific area that you want to be known in, right? So now, in your opinion, what is the best way to become an authority in a community? Mm -hmm. This is something that every real estate agent should do. Uh, if you're in New York, it can be a community, but it can also just be a building. Like it can mm -hmm. be as it can be as narrow as that. And if you're in a smaller town, it can be like a subset of the community. So the first thing that every agent, I think, when they start farming, needs to understand is that they need to be prepared to do this for one year with zero transactions. Mm. You need to do it. You need to be prepared to farm for the next twelve months and get absolutely zero transactions, potentially even zero leads. And you still have to continue to do it with enthusiasm and consistency over time. And then there's a few things that really need to be done. A, you need to build a newsletter, an email newsletter list for people that are within that building, within that area. You need to be running constant social media ads to build that email newsletter list. And then my recommendation is to send out a weekly, if not bi-weekly, so every two weeks or every one week, what is happening in that community. And it's really as, it's really as simple as that. So the main goal of farming is to build an email newsletter list. And that's mm. the most success that I have that I have seen. A lot of people that are going to be joining that email newsletter list in a farm, they're not interested in buying or selling right now, but they're very interested in what homes are selling for in their neighborhood. And uh, a lot of times we'll spend a lot of money on different things, but really we should be focused on building that email newsletter list. And then the other piece that we have prepared for and that we really should do if we can is, uh, is mailers. So I know that a lot of people think they're old school, but I tell you, the, the mailers that people get on a monthly basis and seeing your face month over month will go a very, very long way in building that email newsletter list. Yeah, I, I, I use mailers as well in my 8x8 and, and 33. Um, I went through Good. a lot of stamps <laughs> in <Yeah>. envelopes. <laughs> It's, you know, it, it adds up. And that's, this is why this whole concept of spending one full year farming an area and being prepared for that, both financially and, and mentally, being, being prepared for not getting any sales from your effort over the course of one year, but then watch your two, three, and four. Mm. Holy, does it explode. And you just become that person and you'll be thanking yourself for years to come. But you have to get through the first 12 months. Most agents don't make it through the first three months. You have to make it through 12 months with monthly mailers, consistent online ads, all forming to, to build your email newsletter list in that area. Wow. There's, um, that's a great piece of information because um, one thing that I really want to do, I want to become an authority, like in a, like you said, I'm in New York, so it's a, in buildings. And I personally love condos, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I can sell condos all day, every day, that's what I'll do, you know? Um, Co-ops as well, but you know, condos are a bit easier to sell. Um, so I've kind of always wondered, like how would I just become an authority in a building, one that I'm not in, when, you know, more than likely there's like two or three other agents in that building as well. Oh, that's such a good question. So you don't have to live in the community or live in the building in order to farm it. Mm. Like you can be a specialist. For instance, like my community, I don't farm the current community that I live in. Somebody else does. And they know my community better than I do. I'm a real estate agent. I'm in my, this community. I get their mailers. There's a reason why I don't farm it. And, but the fact is, is we don't necessarily need to live there. Mm. And there's actually, there can be a lot of power to that too because we're able to then objectively look at areas and think, why do I want to, like, why do you want to farm this building? Is it the cool factor? 
because the cool factor can go a long way, but we also have to be a little bit more systematic about it. How often do properties turn over? Who's mm. already, who's farming that, who's farming that neighborhood already? And why do you want to farm that neighborhood? Oftentimes we jump into neighborhoods just because we live there. And that's not always the best approach. We need, we need a fair amount of turnover. We ideally want either nobody farming that area or whoever is farming that area to have not a great reputation or to be at the tail end of their career. Mm -hmm. And we have to be passionate about the community so that we stay excited about it over the course of the next 12 months and the, or the building when we're mm -hmm. not going to get any sales from it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Because after, after some time and I fell victim of this as well, you know, to be completely vulnerable is <laughs> after some time, it's just like, okay, I'm trying to convert, you know, um, these people on my 33 or, you know, this, I really want to sell this house, but I'm not getting anywhere with them, you know? But it was times where I sent them a card, like a, a Christmas card or something like that. And I got a phone call to, uh, you know, hey, can you tell me what's going on with my property? Or maybe they didn't want to sell their condo, but they might want to rent it, you know? So it still oh, yeah. is an opportunity, you know, it just, like you said, you have to stick with it. It, it becomes tedious at times, but it's like, you know, you, you do get keep it doing it. Like put it in your calendar and just, and just keep doing it. And then a lot of times in real estate, we start to think, we think, we think of leads. I would almost caution to not think of leads and just think about how can we increase the number of relationships that we have. So from that thinking, it's not that we want to sell, we do want to sell every home in our farm, but instead we want to know every homeowner and that, mm -hmm. will, that will keep us busy. So instead of focusing on the fact is how do I get the next listing in this building and this community, think how do I get to know five new homeowners in this neighborhood? And then again, watch that success come to you in two to three years. If you're just trying to get every single listing, it, it can be frustrating. Mm -hmm. And just building the relationships, again, it comes back to this fact that we're taking the pressure off ourselves. We're not pressuring ourselves to get every listing. We're just, we're, all we're trying to do is meet a few new homeowners, meet a few new people that live in that building. What do they love about that building? Hey, can we feature them? Can we feature you in my newsletter where I'm going to be featuring this building, what you love about this neighborhood and how much you love the amenities in this building, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I um. A, a, a big way of me not, a big way that, that, that this really stopped me from moving forward in my career was I was looking at clients or customers as numbers, right? I need to convert this amount of people. I need to do this. I need to do that. Boom, 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 boom. Oh my gosh, you know. But then once I started saying, you know what, how can I actually help these people and listening to them? Also listening to what they're not saying as well. Mm. That's when my conversion rate really started going up. And that's like, it's kind of like me trying to convert. I was shooting myself in the foot, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. 100%. You know, and then when I just, again, took the pressure off myself and took the pressure off the client, the conversion just started happening naturally. It's, it's so... It, it... It's so counterintuitive, but it works like that every single time. And a lot of times the question that I get is then, okay, so are we not, are we not focusing on trying to sell and trying to convert? And that's not the case at all. Instead, we're just, we're reframing the way that we're looking at leads. Like you're mm -hmm. saying, I was looking at them as numbers and now we're looking at them as people and what do they need at that point in time? And that's really the business that we're in. 
Like it is, there, there are numbers that we need to be focused on, but we're, we're just purely in a relationship business. The people, typically what we say, and we say this in a few different ways, but the person who talks to the most people, period, will sell the most properties. You can talk mm. to people on the phone, in person, you can talk to them by way of mailers, you can talk to them on social media, it doesn't matter. Just the more conversations you have, period, in life, the more homes you're going to sell. Wow. Now, now, outside of cold calling, yeah. Outside of cold calling, what have you found to be the most effective way to lead generate? Yeah, and it's. I think we need to be very focused on what works, and not necessarily always thinking about how we can reinvent reinvent the wheel. And mm-hmm. we need to always come back to our sphere because that's ninety percent of most people's business, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of people actually don't focus as well as they they really could be they get very very focused on different lead generation strategies instead of just taking care of the people they know and whether that that number is 10 people 100 people or 200 or a thousand taking care of those people will just always keep food on your table and then so what i like to do with people is i like to say okay so you're think of it in different streams of business. Your sphere of influence will always be that main sphere or that main bucket. And then try to pick two to three more buckets that you want to focus on and focus on them for a year. So your sphere is going to be your main one. Mm. And then most people will choose social media and then geo farming and maybe cold calling or maybe B2B. So we call B2B like going out and meeting other business owners in a neighborhood. Mm. So what are these four streams that you're going to choose? And then what are you going to be your strategies for them? And instead of just trying to go different directions with lead generation efforts, commit to a lead generation effort for one year. Because in real estate, a sales cycle is typically typically three months to six months. So whatever you do now is going to benefit you three months down the road. So if you try and do something for three months and try cold calling, you're not going to get anywhere. And your sphere just needs to be that, that golden egg that you just always take care of. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And it is great that you said the three to six months, because I tell a lot of the agents in my office and that, that come to me for advice, you know, whatever quarter you're, you're not in the quarter that you think you're in. Right. Mm-hmm. So like right now is Q1 of 2021. However, mm-hmm. whatever you do now isn't going to close until Q2, maybe Q3. Mm-hmm. So even if you should get something in contract today, it's going to close in about 60 days. So you're not going to yeah. get, you're not going to get paid out until Q2. So you're really living ahead of your time. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. You, you have, you have to prepare for that. So if you want to cold call now, and even if you was to get a listing, launch it the same day, get it in the contract the same day, it's still not going to pay you off until the next quarter. So exactly. you, you got to think ahead and you got to, if you're going to set goals, you have to set goals ahead of where you are now and, and work towards that in, in an effective and clear way, mm-hmm. you know? So it's Absolutely. Really that you said that. Yeah. And even like those cold calls that you're making, like those people, they're not necessarily going to convert and even consider using your services for likely three months of nurturing, right? Mm-hmm. They'll get the odd one that's like, yeah, come over, let's look around my house and then you end up getting the listing. That's great. But most of them are gonna be three, six months periods of just nurturing those people before they actually turn into valid prospects. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Now, in marathons, there's something called the wall, right? Where you feel like you can't go any further. It's too much. You can't take it anymore. You just want to give up. Have you ever hit a wall in real estate? And if you did, what was it? How did you overcome it? It's a good question. So I come back to the, the concepts. I'm sure you, you, you've heard of him, um, this whole David Goggins movement right now. And he's, yeah, uh, yeah. maybe so. <laughs> the Navy SEAL. And so he talks about the 40% and how when we think we have, when we think we're at our limit, we've only hit 40%. The mm. remainder of it, it just becomes mental. So the way that I, the way that I, so the answer to your question is absolutely yes, have hit that multiple times. The way I've overcame it is by, is this is purely the system side of things. So the motivation, the inspiration, that's all just going to disappear. But what mm. we can stick with are non-negotiable systems that we have in place. So if your system in place is that you are going to send a postcard at the end of every month and it's on your calendar, you may not want to send that postcard at the end of every month, but it's part of your system. So when I start, when I took away the thought process of how do I get motivated to sell real estate and just turned real estate into a pure system and I have to follow this system, then I don't need motivation. I don't need inspiration. And I know, mm. and, and the, if I do want that motivation or inspiration, you can always get it. And when you do have it, it's important that a lot of times we'll get motivation, we'll get inspired. And that's a really key time to be doing tasks that we don't necessarily always want to be doing. That's perfectly fine. But the, the biggest or the most recommended book that I, that I provide to people in these cases is um, James Clear's Atomic Habits where he's okay. just, yeah. And he comes back to this concept of you don't necessarily want to be building a habit. You just want to be building a system. Mm. And the more, the more systems that you have in place, then better off you're going to be. Mm -hmm. So I've hit the wall multiple times because I've just been relying on the motivational side. But if you have a system and a 33, and a 33 structure, you just, you just continue your way through that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's deep because even with myself, you know, I, you know, sometimes when you go weeks or months without a sale or anything like that, or oh. it, it's, it's rough. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm gonna do this. When is it gonna pay off? And so on and so forth. But still week by week, because I have something called follow-up Mondays, where every Monday is when I do my eight by eight or my 33. So no matter what, I, I gotta send out these letters, this newsletter, this card, um a video, text, regular text. I'm doing it and you know, sometimes when I just don't feel like it, it's, it does pay off. And one of my, um, one of my first managers in my office, his name is James Gamaris. He told me something that, that stuck with me that, you know, when you don't want to do it is when it matters the most. Mm -hmm. You don't get points for doing it when it's, when it's easy. Like right now, Christian, it's easier. You're excited. You're hyped. You're motivated. You know, but that really doesn't count. It's when you're sad, when you're depressed, when you're sick, you don't feel like getting out your bed. It's really difficult. That's when it really, really, really matters. Mm -hmm. You know, so. And you know, the amazing thing about that is, is 
most people in those cases are going to throw in the towel, right? Mm -hmm. So for any of those people like yourself that are going to keep doing these tasks, you just have, it's basically blue ocean beyond that mm. because so many people will hit that wall and they'll quit. So if you're able to continue on, like there's so much prosperity in real estate beyond that wall, everyone's going to hit it. And the other thing that I think that most agents need to do is they need to prepare to hit it. Like you need to think in your mind, mm. you're going to hit it. It's the same thing for like, if you're working out and you have a workout plan in place, you're going to have a day where you're not going to want to work out plan for that day have a system for that day so that you're able to overcome that instead of just running through kind of day by day on on autopilot until you hit that rough patch because you're all everyone's going to do it mm -hmm. i mean it, year after year i would go through this early on in my career where i'd be very concerned about i'd have a decent year and i'd be like okay but i don't know about next year and then that next mm -hmm. year was good and then i'd be like ah, but i don't know about next year i kept worrying about that sort of concept and that can that can wear on a person too is i'd always hit this wall kind of towards the end of the year where i'm like i don't have a lot in my pipeline mm -hmm. and the way that i overcame that with time was just truly trusting a process like taking a process and truly trusting it and know that with a with a process in real estate you can be successful like the math can make you successful if you know exactly what you need to do and then the art side is just improving your ability to communicate with people and sell wow sales and communication. And then just the rest is math. Let the math take care of the math. You take care of building your ability to communicate and, and sales in a modern sense, I should say. And then you'll be successful. Like there's really no way around it. Like you, there's no way you won't be successful in real estate if you know your math and you are a good communicator and you know how to just generally sell. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> my, my, my last question for you, because I, mm -hmm. I know you're, you're super busy and I don't, want to take up a lot of your time. What is your craziest real estate story? <laughs> well, I have, I have a few. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've, I have a number of, of like showing stories where I've been out with people where I've seen certain things that we never want to see. So those are, <laughs> those, those are the first ones that come to my mind. But um, one of one that I would say I think about quite frequently is this whole network or this kind of like spider web uh, impact that can happen within real estate. And I come back to this story of when I first started to go out and network. So I decided, okay, this is going to be one of my strategies here. I'm going to network. Didn't like doing it. Hated it. In fact, mm -hmm. was like very nervous to go to these events where I had to like shake hands and do all the business cards. And uh, the event that I went to, my first one, I ended up driving around the block like six times. I almost said, forget this, I'm not going in. And anyways, I was, I treated it like I went back to this whole concept of practice. And I was like, I don't care what comes of this. It's just going to, just going to be good for me personally to go and do this. So after about driving around for like half an hour, I finally go in and I met only one person, <laughs> met only one person there. <laughs> and um, then nothing really came of that. It was just a nice conversation. And then a few months later, she sent me an email and she says, you know, I have a friend who's somewhat interested in real estate and can you chat with her? So I ended up chatting with her friend and we went out and looked at a few homes, didn't lead anywhere. And then this lady said, I have a friend who might be interested in real estate. I'm actually not going to buy anymore. So I went out and helped this person and it actually didn't lead anywhere. Anyway. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is then that person referred me to another friend of theirs who bought and sold. And then from that one person, 
probably done about 12 to 13 transactions from that group of friends. Wow. So the reason why I love that story is because if, if you backtrack to where that came from, that came from me just getting out of my comfort zone and going in for 15 minutes and having one conversation and sweating bullets the whole time <laughs> that has led to multiple six figures from just that conversation. If you, if you follow the, the path. So I, I like coming back to that one because I think it speaks to how real estate really works mm-hmm. and how we can't underestimate the fact that, you know, just one, one networking event, who cares if I miss it? Just one call, who cares if I miss it? Well, it can mean a lot in your career down the road. Wow. That's, that's a crazy story right there. Yeah. It's interesting. Just to, and, and I, I suggest for everybody to do that is to look at your, your deals and then where they come from and then where they like the waterfall impact. And that's what real estate is all about. You know, most people would, um, and I, I, I'm, you know, guilty of it too. Sometimes, you know, a lot of times, you know, where, you know, you, you'll come in contact with somebody and then let's say they want to rent or they want to see something and then, you know, it doesn't go anywhere, but they have somebody, then that doesn't go anywhere. And then they have somebody just like, uh, <laughs> you know, forget it. Yeah. You're just like, forget it. Like this is, this is going nowhere. Right. Um, and, and this, this is over the course of three years too. So when I first met this person and then I went out and showed her friend and then showed that person's friend, this was three years time before I was introduced to Ken, the person who they finally introduced me to. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing guy and Irish. So he knows a lot of like Irish people in the, in my community, mm-hmm. preferred me to all of their friends. Fantastic. So it's really funny how that ends up working. That's also a testament of the kind of agent you are, you know, the patience, the knowledge and the the mental wherewithal that you have, because again, you know, to be referred from another person to another person, they had to have confidence in you. Right. So, so that's, that's great as well, because, you know, let's say another agent might've lost out on that opportunity because they were easily irritated or not knowledgeable or anything like they, they just didn't carry themselves well and they just missed Mm -hmm. out on that big of an opportunity, you know? So that's, that's a. Yeah. Everything is like this domino effect in real estate, but the, this, so that's the positive side. And then the dangerous side is coming back to your point where you're like, well, what do you do when you don't actually want to do what you know you need to do Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term? Well, if you don't do that, it's the dominoes fall the other direction where you don't end up going to network events. You don't meet so-and-so and they don't introduce you to so-and-so. And then before you know it, you're, you're, you're having a tough year. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, Michael, I really, really, really appreciate you um, giving me your time and, and things like that. And, you know, everything you've done for me, everything you've done for the real estate community new agents, seasoned agents, and everybody in between. It's really appreciated. If nobody wants to say thank you, I want to say thank you from the bottom mm-hmm. of my heart because I would not be here without you and the advice that you've given me. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation and I appreciate you going the extra mile and having these having these talks. It really helps, I think, everybody in the real estate industry. So thank you. I hope so. Okay. <laughs> we'll uh, chat soon. Awesome. Have a good one. See ya.